touch with us. So last night, we had the incredible joy and thrill of participating in what may be the single most important global event of the year. What event was that? That event was the Eurovision Grand Finals, which took place this year in Kiev, in Ukraine, to celebrate their win last year. We just learned about Eurovision last year, and don't worry, we're going to tell you what Eurovision is. Um, We just learned about it last year, even though this has been happening since, like, 65, 66. Yeah, around that. 60s. But... The second that we learned about it, it became a bucket list item. And I have to say, I do feel like there is a part of my life that is more fulfilled for having participated in this. Me too. So Eurovision is a multi-week contest that takes place in different countries in Europe. And basically, it's a contest to to declare who has the best pop song in the world. But there's also, like, some of this, like, geopolitical peace and harmony, like, diplomacy shit sort of, like, clouded around this pop star contest. It's like the Olympics, but for American Idol-esque pop star search-ness. Yeah, actually, a lot of a lot of the um, people that Country Send have participated on, like, um, The Voice in different countries. Like, there were several people who competed the on The Voice Australia. The X Factor. Um, no American Idol, but Americans aren't allowed to play, so. And rightly so. Rightly so. I do not blame Eurovision for not wanting us there. However, Australia is there. Yeah, they just sneak in under the radar. I mean, I guess being colonized by England, like, kind of makes them European. I suppose. LOL, colonialism is fun. So, 42 countries participated this year. 26 made it to the grand finals, which streamed live on Logo yesterday. In the US. And basically, each of these people are there for quality of songwriting as well as, like, performance skills. Um And because, like, this is a large televised event, it's like a massive media event, um, you're talking about, like, some of the most insane showmanship literally in the world. Take, like, the Super Bowl halftime shows, pyrotechnics, and, like, all of the most cutting-edge, like, military-grade projection (laughs) laser technology, and then... Put a bunch of people in sequins on a stage and you've got Eurovision. That's about right. <laughs> oh, there is a lot of smoke effects, too. Lots of smoke effects. Um, can we can we take a second to really appreciate each of the country's entrances? Yeah, let's talk about that. So before they started um, the actual performances, they had each of the singers from each country, like, enter onto the stage and then walk through the crowd. And then up in the middle of the crowd, they had these, like, super modern, like, bowls, like, pod orbs that they all got to sit in. Yeah. Um, They kept calling it the green room, but since it was not behind the stage, I'm assuming it's not actually a green room. It was, like, in the crowd. It was, like, the VIP area. Yeah, yeah. And so they did this, like, very Harry Potter-esque thing. It was like being at the Quidditch World Cup where... On their projection system on the stage, they had, like, these, like, 
help me out here, like sparks, confetti. Yeah. That like, it started off in the shape of the country's flag. And then they would explode all the way down the stage. And then the people would emerge from the projection. And it literally (laughs) looked like they were being like materialized by the projection. Right. It wasn't like in the Olympics where they walk in a line and have a flag. No. It was like magical and overdone and amazing. I would like that to be my entrance to every room ever. Had Kiersey watched this before her wedding, some things would have changed about her. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Thank uh, God that, that you didn't watch it because <laughs> I would have killed you. <laughs> yeah, when uh, when the ladies from the Netherlands came up, I immediately texted Kelsey and was like, "Oh man, the bridal party would have been a different story." <laughs> There were just so many costume options to choose from. Oh, God. The costumes. The costumes and, like, the actual performances and the production values. I've never seen production values like this. Um, Yeah. Like, when, when the New World Order is formed, the production team from Eurovision should probably be our divine overlord. I'm okay with that. Right? They certainly deserved it. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going off topic, but did you get a sense of, for, like, the countries participating, how much of this is, like, camp versus taken seriously? I remember last year there being a little bit of a conversation about that on the Pop Culture Happy Hour recap. Um, And I, like, I can't remember if this is the conclusion they came to or not, but I can't tell. <laughs> Like, I have no idea. (laughs) And it's tricky, too, because I think not all the performances are created equally in terms of their flamboyance. Mm. And so, like, you know, we'll we'll get into, like, breaking down each individual performance so you'll have a better idea of what we're talking about. But, like, France's performance was, like, pretty, pretty, like, average pop performance. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a lady in a little sparkly dress with the Eiffel Tower projected behind her and whatever. Um, so, like, a performance like that I would think was pretty serious. But, like, and then, like, a performance like Romania I would think would be, like, in that middle ground of, like, excellent, but they kind of knew what they were doing. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's a... Like, dance between, like, you still have to be talented and unique, but also go way overboard. Right. Oh, the only other example I was going to throw out there was Moldova's, which I think was going really hard on the campy stuff. But. But I loved it. Like, in that sense, (laughs) is serious. Like. Yeah. If you can, like, unironically be ironic, I think that's what they were going for. (laughs) They were there to win. Yeah, they absolutely <laughs> were. They, oh God, Moldova. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think to to your point that like you have to be talented as well as like showy and campy. I feel like that was what uh, Portugal's speech was all about. So spoiler alert: we're going to talk about points and winners and losers in Portugal one. Um, <laughs> but I think that was like. 
what he said, basically, in his speech. He was like, music isn't about fireworks, it's about feeling. But, like, you're at Eurovision and he was a douche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, right? It's like, it's a songwriting contest. Um, and I say writing in quotes because they claim that, like, the writing and the lyrics are a bigger part than the performance alone. Um but at the same time, it's fucking Eurovision, and they're not spending that kind of money on stage production just for you to be a good singer. Right. And so the theme, everything has to like, revolve around a like theme for the year, and this year's was diversity. Yep, so I, diversity. Couldn't, I couldn't really pick up on how many of these performances actually talked about diversity, some of them because... They were in other languages that I didn't understand, and some because I just wasn't paying that close attention to the lyrics. And I think next time I want to watch it with captions on, if I can, because I think that'll help bring more joy to this viewing process. Yeah, I was trying to figure out, too, how much the theme plays into any one thing. There were some of them... So I'm not an auditory learner, so I had a really hard time catching even the English lyrics. Yeah. And I didn't have time to go back and read 26 songs worth of lyrics. There were a couple where I got a vague idea just from, like, song titles. And then there were a couple, like, Italy's performance was, like, corporate training video diversity. Yeah. Everyone's dressed like a rainbow, and all of the animations are hugging each other. But, like, I wasn't really sure how, like, the Netherlands cry for help thing was about diversity. Yeah. The Netherlands... um, Hey Mama from Moldova, I couldn't tell... Do it for your lover. <laughs> Do it for your lover was definitely not about diversity. <laughs> um, I I couldn't really tell for Romania. You know, like they how much you their country has to do with diversity. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm so here for Romania. Oh, uh, it's I like it is gonna sound like throughout this I'm making fun of Romania, but mad fucking respect. To Romania. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... So do we want to jump in with our 26 countries? Yeah, let's... We're going to give you, like, the cliff notes of all the countries' performances in case you missed it. Because as far as I'm aware, there's no way to... Wait, should we talk about this first, Kirsty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... We struggled immensely trying to figure out how to watch this. Like, for days. Yeah, for days. Um, there were semifinals this week, and everything airs starting at 3 o'clock uh, Eastern U.S. time, which is a tough time in the day to be like, I'm gonna flip on Eurovision at work. <laughs> so, we um, we knew that this was gonna be on a Saturday, and neither of us were home until almost the very end of the broadcast, and I was like, if there's a way that we can rewind the YouTube live stream, maybe we have a chance. (laughs) (laughs) So we, like, raced home, and we had, like, 20 minutes, and of course, like, the Eurovision live stream wasn't, didn't have broadcast rates in the U.S. because the logo live streamed it, so it was just, like, the biggest struggle to try and watch this production that I really think should be free to all in the world (laughs) at any time on demand especially in these our modern times where like you know global friendship has never been of more value like this should be a public service like pbs get your (laughs) shit together (laughs) but anyway 
So we finally found it. And we were both... The only way to rewind a live stream is through your phone only. With like I couldn't do it on the 30-second rewinder. Yeah. So you have to just hit, like, your phone screen 10,000 times to rewind two hours of content. Um, but we did it. We had some, like, mess-ups where we learned that you couldn't pause or else you'd go back. <laughs> yep. Every so time we would pause to try to sync up with each other, it would go straight back to the live stream when you hit play. <laughs> So we basically trapped ourselves from the moment that we turned it on and we couldn't get up or pause or do anything for four hours. Yeah, so the other thing that no one tells you about Eurovision is that there's a solid hour and a half at the end that's literally just killing time as they tally up the votes. So the way it works is that all the performances happen, each of the 42 member countries get to submit points. They get 12 points each. No. No? They. I don't... I missed what their point scale was. They get 1 through 10 and then 12. Like... For the winner. Yeah, so they can award, like, one country okay. 1, one country 2, one country 3. So it's not 12 points, but it's, like, 12 sets of points. Gotcha, right? gotcha, gotcha. I don't know how to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I follow you. So... Uh, so each of the 42 countries have to vote, and then the hosts have to, like, collect the points from them using, like, Skype, basically. And then while that's happening, the the public can vote in real time using, like, a text system. It's really, like, a feat of technology that they can put this together so quickly. Yeah, when I said it was, like milligrade or milligrade military military grade like cutting edge laser technology i wasn't lying no and like this is why these people should be the divine overlords of our new world order like they know more than we do about all of humanity and civilization (laughs) they do they really do Um, they are highly qualified to run global government So then the general public votes, they tally all the votes, and then they declare a winner. But all of this is happening in real time. So they have a bunch of, like, performances that are happening from past winners, and um, they had a bunch of different different performers from Ukraine, um, because that's who was hosting. And then... um, And then they just, like, kill a lot of time. And it's, like, an hour and a half between the last performance. And it's crazy, too, because during the performances, it is so frenetic. Like, I was trying to take notes, and I barely had enough time during during and between each performance to, like, get a new header set up and, like, finish my notes. And there's no, like, TV commercial breaks or anything like that. It is just straight runtime. Yep, so, like, the performance ends, and they immediately start showing, like, an intro video for the next country and their Which band. were really well-produced, I might Very well-produced. They were super cool. But each of those could only be, what, like, 30 to 45 seconds long, right? Yeah, they were very, very quick. And in that time, they're changing over all the staging. And, like, a lot of the staging was done with projections, but some people had, like, band shells behind them or chalkboards. Or treadmills. (laughs) Treadmills or a waiting pool. (laughs) (laughs) Like you do. So, and they're turning the shit around that fast. So, like, it's, it's unbelievable what they accomplish. 
So now that you understand the struggle that we went through to bring you this content, <laughs> um, we can probably run through our, our performances. I think there were 26 total. 26. Which is a lot, guys. <laughs> it's a lot. Well, it's but like the interesting, first few hours. Yeah, and the interesting thing is that, from what I understand at least, like participation depends on like whether or not your like local public access broadcast network wants to sponsor you. Mm-hmm. So I think it was unclear to me, at least going into it, like how many participants there were, and there's a lot more participants than there are voting countries. Yep. So I'm not sure if like that has to do with like what happened in the semifinals or whatever too, but. Mm-hmm. It was a lot. Well, I think all 42 countries that participate in all of Eurovision get to vote. Yeah. Even if they're not a finalist. Gotcha. That was my impression. Because there were 42 participants at the start that got weighted out through the semifinals. So the good news is, if we want to watch <laughs> another four hours of this, we have a lot more material. <laughs> On the Eurovision YouTube, they have different video playlists. And you can watch rehearsal videos yeah. from, from I think, all 42 countries. And you can also watch the official music videos, just not live performances, unless you watch the rehearsal. So first country up was Israel. Yep. Their song, I wrote down the title of their song wrong. I think it was just I Feel Alive. I didn't write down any song titles, so you're correct. You're correct the whole time. <laughs> correct enough. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and and Israel is interesting because we found out during voting that this will be Israel's last year participating because their network is no longer sponsoring. Um, which I I was highly alarmed when I heard that because I was. Uh, a bottle of rosé deep and not really paying attention and <laughs> texted Kelsey in all caps and was like, did we just declare World War Three on Eurovision? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, America would be the last to know if that was the case. <laughs> uh, oh, Lord. So this was the, the American commentators from Logo told us a couple of key facts uh, one that this is this song is about a journey to success, and also that the lead singer was really into Queen as a child and knew all <laughs> of the words to "We Are the Champions" and would force his family to sit down and listen to him. And like hard same, that's literally the story of my childhood. So, <laughs> dude, if you're out there, let's be pals. Let's be besties. I think we have a lot in common. So Israel was one of the first of a handful of, like, men with arms who didn't do something that interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Like, besides show off their arms. That's, like, all they did. And he had, like, a song, and it was fine. But... Yeah, it was a really fun, like, peppy song. That was, like, the first one where I noticed, uh, really, the quality of the production value. And I just wrote, oh my god, those stage lights... I just wrote fire, because I think you had a lot of fire action happening. Yeah. Was that the one where you claimed his sneakers for your team, or was that oh, someone no. else's sneakers? No. This was oh, the okay. first one. We have so much more to get through. I know. We have a lot to get through. I like that on the first one, you were, you were just like, this is the first time that I noticed this is some production value. Well, because then I didn't think about it for a couple more performances, but yeah, like, right. I it like blew my fucking mind like I don't know what I thought Eurovision was going to be made of but 
I obviously was not prepared for what I was walking into. No way. Next up was Poland with a song that I believe was called Flashlight. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. Both of these two songs were in English, but I didn't really catch any of the lyrics, so I don't know. Yeah. So this was a girl who had this, like, white dress that looked like it was made from, like, Charmin toilet paper. (laughs) It was, like, wrapped around... It had, like, one shoulder, and then it had some cutouts where, like, it didn't wrap all the way. It was just a lot. Lots of cutouts. Um, yeah, she also had a dramatic violinist accompanying it, her. It was her brother. It was. There um, were a yeah. lot of, like, sibling relationships on this. <laughs> Which is relevant when we get to Belarus. <laughs> so relevant. <laughs> Yeah, so apparently her family are, like, all violinists, and so her brother accompanied her um, to Eurovision, and the American commentators were super excited about that. He did not have a Charmin outfit, though, which was kind of (laughs) sad. No, he was just in, like, a suit. It was fine. Uh, (laughs) The only thing I wrote for Poland is that her cat eye is the dream. Mm. Also, mad, mad shouts to all the makeup artists. Yeah, agreed. Next was Belarus with the song Story of My Life. Belarus was really fun. Belarus was super fun. So I don't know what their their band, the band that was there, is, like, actually about. Um, but I wrote that they were part folk music, part Coachella. They were, like, the Lumineers of Belarus. Yes. <laughs> yep. Um, the lead singer... Definitely got her dress from the same costume designer as Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> that happened. And her her co-singer looked like Harry Styles traveled back in time and stole Taylor Swift's guitar from 2004. Yeah. Um, they had this, like, boat set piece that had yeah. fans on the back that they stood yep. on, which was real wild. Yep. And I don't know what, like, the point of the boat was in terms of, like, the yeah. story of the song, but... The they were having a time in English, book. so we yeah. we had no way of keeping track. But yeah, th- and there was all this mist around the base of the boat on the stage, and then the background was all of these like colorful projections. I'm assuming of like typical architecture for Belarus, but like different bridges and towers and stuff. It was fun, and then it ended <laughs> with <laughs> what I later learned was not planned, um, but an impromptu like. Make out. <laughs> just like the song ends and they just like whip around and like grab each other into this like passionate kiss on the stage. Which was made awkward by our logo hosts who had told us at the beginning <laughs> that they were also brother and sister. <laughs> so, so, you know, they're, the camera starts to pan out from the stage and the American commentators bust in and like in the verbal equivalent of all caps just go, I guess they're not brother and sister. <laughs> Like, Logo TV, if you need hosts for next year, we are up for the challenge. (laughs) We are so ready for you. (laughs) Consider this our resume. (laughs) Uh, Oh, and by the way, this was was the performance that alerted me to this, but... If, if all of you remember back to um, the couple of episodes where I was trying to describe the projection animations from the Broadway adaptation of Anastasia, 
This, I'm sure you all remember in detail. You definitely all remember this in detail because I know that you sit there with notebooks and take notes as you listen. But this is what I was talking about, just like a higher version of it. Like Anastasia is playing with a cut rate version of the same technology. Just so you know. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> so <laughs> Austria up, was next. Yep. Next up was Austria um, with the song Running on Air. And he did that. Pretty he much sure exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he sure did. I really liked this performance. Because you like Jason Mraz. Well, the second he opened his mouth, I wrote, hey, I didn't know Jason Mraz was from Austria. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally like, had he had a fedora, the transformation oh. would have been complete. <laughs> <laughs> he came out on a giant crescent moon covered in in disco balls yep and he had like this wing sneaker flare (laughs) like hooked off of his laces and hung out there yep that those were the sneakers that you called for your team yeah i did yeah and his whole performance was just him like dangling off of this moon chair (laughs) (laughs) i mean it it wasn't particularly noteworthy i don't think it Although was just it, fine. It did result in a lot of really good DreamWorks memes. So many. <laughs> what a gift. Such a gift. Should we uh, move on to Armenia? Yeah. yeah. Um, Armenia had this one lady with braids. And she had a couple weird dancers behind her that did a lot of, like... I don't, I don't want to be stereotyping but it reminded me of like egyptian type dance yeah at least like in a stereotypical way that's what you would picture yeah i wrote that they were doing um doing like the choreography from the 1980s song walk like an egyptian yeah yeah um and the crowd was like not into it that was the one i noticed that everyone was like what yeah it was fine it it was very like lady gaga-esque i would also like it like it on the record that Glenn Weldon from Pop Culture Happy Hour said the same thing. So, Glenn, <laughs> if you're out there, let's be friends. <laughs> I think we have a lot in common. Dear God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. About her braids, though, like she had she had braids along her hairline, so her whole hairline was just these two braids, and then she had two braids down either side of her middle part. And then it was pulled up into a ponytail that had hair around it. And then out of the ponytail was a fishtail braid. So it took like 30 seconds to put on. Obviously. I just don't understand. As like a person with hair, I don't understand the mechanics of of braiding along your hairline and along your part. Like part of me thinks they must have been extensions or like braids, you know? Oh, yeah. Because hair doesn't go in that many different directions. (laughs) I'm going to try it next time I see you. <laughs> uh, maybe all we needed was the Dyson hair dryer. <laughs> Coming soon to my house. Coming soon to a Kelsey near you. <laughs> <laughs> so next up was... Was the Netherlands. Was the Netherlands with a song called Lights and Shadows that, if if I'm correct, was written by their father for their mother... So it was really awkward that they all had, like, their boobs out 
<laughs> and it was like I just had a lot of questions about this family. <laughs> so the band are, is three sisters, and yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. These were the ones though who were wearing the dresses and pantsuit that prompted me to say that if I had it to do all over again, the, that would be my bridal party. They were like black sparkles everywhere. Yeah, like black sequins. And then they had like the nude mesh on the neckline with a bunch of like rhinestones. So it looked like the rhinestones were just floating on their chest. Yeah, I wouldn't have worn that. (laughs) Um, This was the performance, though, where I started to fully appreciate how much effort goes into graphics on the stage just for the sake of overhead camera shots. Yeah. So they the main stage is this big round stage and it has a screen so that they can display graphics. And I don't remember what they were displaying underneath the singers that made me write this, but in different performances, it's different things. So at one point, it's a bunch of surfboards directly under where each of the people are standing. And at one point, it's there's like these white lines that they're using as like a balance beam, all kinds of crazy shit. And you know that for the audience that's standing below the stage, they can't see any of this. So that is not being done for people watching in the arena. Right. That is done only for those of us watching at home. And, like, the the thing that I thought was so beautiful about it is that it's a combination of, like, the choreography and blocking, like, making sure that your performers know where their marks are, but then also that your camera team is following all of their marks so that that overhead shot is happening as that graphic is displaying. Yeah, I noticed for sure that like throughout all of these, the camera itself is like choreographed as much as the performers Mm -hmm. are. And it's wild. It's like the craziest thing when you see it, like they do these big like pans at the right time where they zoom in real quick or do these weird cuts. And it, it basically ends up being as if the camera acts as the vehicle to to take a live performance and turn it into a music video. Yeah. Like, that's what it mimics for those of us watching at home is, is watching a pre-produced music video. And just, like, a really fucking incredible use of format. And it blew my mind. Yeah. The awkward thing about the Netherlands one is that they put like, select lyrics on the screen behind them, like those Disney sing-along movies. Yeah. And it was, it's like a pretty like depressing and weird song. So it would just be like, cry for help written out behind them. I was like, what? What was the one that was like insecure and alone or something? Yeah. (laughs) Everyone on Twitter was like hard same. (laughs) They would have done great in like the early 2000s. Yeah. Feeling all alone and insecure. (laughs) (laughs) And someone tweeted when someone asks how I'm doing. (laughs) Twitter was so lit for this, guys. Twitter was so lit. If I had it to do all over again, we would have been watching in real time so that we could have been on Twitter. Yeah, the struggle of watching the stream from your phone and being unable to do it, unable to do anything else was that we couldn't play on Twitter at the same time. <laughs> uh, so next up was Moldova with Hey Mama. And sexy sax guy. And sexy sax guy. (laughs) I have such endless love for the Moldovan, (laughs) Moldovian, Moldova performance. Like, 
<laughs> so much First love. First of all, all of them were Barney Stenson. You know what the one guy actually reminded me of? Hmm. Are you far enough in Catastrophe that you know the friend, like, the husband, the blonde guy who's kind of crazy? Yeah, 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 yeah. That one guy looked just like him. Yeah, he does. And I just, this moment, placed that. <laughs> yep, yep. I thought I had that same thought. So it was the lead singer, the sax guy, and then, like, another instrumentalist singer, backup dancer, and then three female backup dancers. And who had bouquets as microphones. Who had bouquets. And then they have a costume change partway <laughs> through where they go from wearing, like, white tops and poofy black skirts to wearing wedding dresses. And it's one of those magical ones that, like, they just pull a string and the whole thing, like, happens in front of your eyes. Yeah, like, they go to, like, walk across the stage to come up in between each of the singers and it's like, oh, you're wearing something different now. It was so great. Um, so there's definitely a story to the song that we were all missing out on. And they have this dance move. Do you want to describe the dance move? <laughs> yeah, I'm watching a gif of it right now. And, and I will say as I'm watching this gif that the sax guy is the best dancer of the three. Oh, yeah. So do yourself a favor and look up Moldova and their fancy footwork. Um, but... It's like this leg dance, so they're doing all this like toe tapping with like these these like swayy shoulders, and then they've got these like sassy snaps every once in a while. It's not complicated either. It's, like... it's not. It's just it's really suave looking. Like it just looks good. <laughs> it's just so funny. I, I definitely claimed their dance moves for my team. <laughs> And then they had these really great projections towards the end where it was, like, all of them, like, all of the singers, but they would project, like, 50 of them in a row, like, going back to make it look like there were thousands of them, like, an army of them doing this, like, foot dance. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's just so good. I'm watching the gif now, too. (laughs) It's catchy as fuck, too. Like, I've had different songs stuck in my head all morning, but I definitely had that song stuck in my head for a period of time this morning. Oh, yeah. Um, also, the first thing that the American commentator said when that performance was over was, my bridal party is going to have mics in their bouquet. <laughs> but, like, why do you want that? <laughs> oh, all right. So we can probably, I was going to say we can speed through, but Italy's coming up, so we can't. No. Um, <laughs> Hungry, we can kind of speed through. It was just this guy with a man bun. Yep. And he had this fancy jacket and a dancer and it was, I think it was in a, that, whatever that native language, Hungarian. Is that right? Um, I don't actually know for sure if it was in Hungarian. He, the one thing that was of note about this dude, and like, I, his performance was really good. It was like a good pop song. Yeah. It's just relative to like the flamboyancy of Eurovision. It didn't stand out to me. He followed Moldova. Yeah. That was the other thing is he was sandwiched between Moldova and Italy. Like, poor guy didn't stand a chance. No. But the one thing that is interesting about him is that he is um, the first person of Roma descent to perform from Hungary or perform in general. Do you remember? Oh, really? No, I don't remember hearing that. I can't remember which qualifier it was. Definitely the first Roma from Hungary. But I want to say he might be the first Roma to perform in Eurovision. So, like, slight geopolitical history nerd moment the roma are the um group of people that are often referred to as gypsies oh yeah and they're like outcasts in every country in europe so they sort of live nomadically and travel from country to country and face tremendous discrimination and poverty because there's 
so much stigma and racism against Roma. And so, like, I feel like there are lots of little moments throughout all of Eurovision where you see, like, the really weird, complicated history and relationships of Europe playing out. And this was, like, one of those funny moments. And, you know, good for this guy. Like, he's representing. Yeah. So Italy was next. And it had some fascinating dance moves. <laughs> so it's, it's like Italian words, karma. So karma is in the name. And then all of the animations um, on the projection were like mandalas. And uh, there was like a bunch of symbolism about meditation. Yeah, I wrote down, is this racist? <laughs> And then a gorilla came out, and in all caps, I said, is this racist? Yep, there was a gorilla on the stage. And there were four backup dancers wearing rainbow t-shirts, and they looked exactly like a corporate training video about diversity. Like, I think if we understood the song, it was not racist, but the symbolism was concerning, maybe. Maybe. There were all of these, like, animated hands that were like, in a rainbow array, and then it became, like, animated people, um, like, blob people that were also in a rainbow, and then at one point, they show the evolution of man, but in a rainbow. Yep, and so their only dance move was waving their arms up in the air. (laughs) Like, you just don't care. (laughs) Like, you just don't care. (laughs) I just wrote, because diversity? Yep. (laughs) Were they, were they just trying to match the the theme of the year. I mean, it was fun enough, but it was it was a lot. Uh, yeah, that one was also really catchy. Next was Denmark, and the performer wasn't Danish. Like, she was from Australia, so I was confused yep. about how that works, and I think there's there were some other instances of, like, I don't know how you can claim your country to represent a certain country. Yep. Like, do you have to be that nationality? Or do you have to, like, have a residency there? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how how the politics of that work. I'd be interested to know, though. So she's Australian and competed on the Australian voice or the voice Australia. And she, I can't remember, they said how long she'd been living in Denmark, but she said at one point that she had been listening to music in Danish for like 10 years or something like that and had only been singing herself in Danish for two months. So like... Girl must have been a really fast fucking learner to be the Danish delegation. Yeah, I have a lot of questions about that. Her performance was fine. Like, they didn't do a ton of staging for her. It was really just her up there singing. And she's a good singer. She did this one thing at one point where she, like, dropped to her knees dramatically and was, like, Mm. smashing her hand against the stage, which lyrically mattered. And that really stressed me out because she was wearing this giant pink chiffon dress and, like, five-inch heels. And I was like, girl, you're not going to get back up off that stage. Like, this is where you live now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, I did call her makeup artist for my team, though. You did. Her makeup was unbelievable. Um, Next up was Portugal. Yep. The name of the song translated for the both of us. It was this guy who looked like a drowned rat. And... uh, like, he was nice enough, but he was just, like, I was, I've never been so uncomfortable watching a person sing as I was watching yeah. him sing. He reminded me exactly of this one performer that um, my husband watches a lot of YouTube videos of called The Boy With Tape On His Face, I think. 
Um, so he's he's a mime. He's a British mime. And his shtick is that he puts duct tape over his mouth and then he does stuff. And he's the one, Kelsey, you've seen this video with, like, the shoes on his hand and that Michael Jackson song. I don't know if I've seen this video. Yeah, you've seen it. You you have spent time with my husband. You've seen it. Um, <laughs> anyway, he reminded me exactly of that guy. So everyone seemed to be more impressed with Portugal than we were. Yeah, the American commentators, as they were doing his intro video, were making a BFD about this kid and how passionate he was and how talented he was. And one of them said, just watch the way he does this, which is a little bit like, yeah, that's how performing works. Um, So he was definitely getting a lot of hype before we even got to the voting. And I just... In general, I'm not super into, like, men singing in falsetto, and I think that was part of the issue with Mm -hmm. me not liking it, but it was a lot. And it also just wasn't fun. Yeah, he was just, it it was like a ballad. He was just up there singing a ballad. And then at the end of it, they projected this really intense forest scene. Yeah. And it was a cool graphic. I just didn't. There didn't seem to be a reason for it. This was another song that we didn't understand the lyrics to. Yeah. At, well, at the end, they showed Armenia, uh, or they panned over the pods where everybody was sitting, and the woman from Armenia was, like, legit sobbing. I was like, what am I missing? Yeah, we missed something, for yeah. sure. Um, so we're only on number 12. <laughs> Yikes. Um, which was Azerbaijan. Yep, yeah, uh, with the song Skeletons. And it was basically, like, she was in this room with the chalkboard walls, and then there was someone in a horse mask on a ladder. And I think she At was the trying top to be of like an eleven foot ladder. Yeah, and she was trying to be rebellious or something and write on walls. And yeah, I definitely wrote that there was a lot of symbolism. It was like a wicked hipster music video just happening on a stage. Yeah, it wasn't a winner. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, I did call the horse and the ladder for my team. And I called the chalkboard set. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was a cool set. Like, it was kind of a nice change of pace given the rest of the production values. Like, it stood out to me because it was so different than everything else that happened. But it was just a hipster music video. Yeah. Um, Then there was Croatia, (laughs) which was pretty magical. So magical. And, like, mad respect here, too. Like, it was fun and funny, but also, like... This singer is really, like, out of this world. Yeah, so he did, like, opera, and then he did a duet with himself, like, singing in two different octaves or whatever. I don't know how to say that. And then they had this, like, jam with the musicians. Yep. So he was was trading off octaves, basically, um, in between each line. And every time he would trade a part, he would look the other way. So it really did feel like he was having a duet with himself. He also opened the song by dramatically looking into the camera and speaking the words, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as if nothing is a miracle. The other is as if everything is a miracle. (laughs) And he was a miracle. (laughs) He was a miracle. In that moment, everything was a miracle. He reminded us of Sam from Game of Thrones, too. Yep. In, like, all of the most sympathetic ways. Yeah, 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 in the best ways possible. They also had some really incredible suits. Yeah, they did. I really liked their suits. Um, so Australia was next, and he was, like, Harry Styles 2.0. Yeah, his he was, eyebrow like, game was strong. He was, like, 17? 
Yep, 17. Um, and he was a indigenous person to Australia, mm-hmm. and that was noteworthy. It was fine. People seemed to like it. They had this incredible background montage of different shots of him, like, either with his arms outstretched, like, floating through the air, or, like, looking longingly into the distance. Yep. And then he had this key change at the end, and they did these, like, these pyrotechnics from the ceiling where it was, like, sparks just falling down all the way to the ground. And it was, like, unbelievable timing. Yeah, that was cool. Um, Next up was Grease. Uh, It was uh, some chick... The noteworthy thing here is that she had backup dancers in wading pools, like, splashing <laughs> yeah. around with no shirts. <laughs> she was up on, like, a pedestal, and there was a wading pool underneath her with probably, like, two inches of water. And these guys were wearing these, like, white short shorts <laughs> and just, like, they were they were built, too. They were, like, stacked dudes. Would you say they had arms? They did have arms. They were dudes <laughs> with arms. Yeah. That is for sure. Next was Spain. Do it for your lover. Do it for your lover. We just sang you the whole song. (laughs) Um, The American commentator introduced it by saying uh, that the lead singer says his music is a mix between Bob Dylan and Ed Sheeran, and he always carries his guitar. And I was like, oh, he's that guy. Oh, yeah. Um, They also just wanted to be in L.A. so badly. So so badly. It was all like surf themed with hawaiian shirts yeah they were wearing hawaiian shirts there were like palm trees in the background and then at one point the stage graphic was surfboards directly underneath each of them (laughs) it was a really good use of stage graphics they they could not have been cuter if they tried (laughs) however they ended up with five cumulative points (laughs) they came in last (laughs) (laughs) um which you know props for them they still made it to the grand finals but songwriting's important. It is. Um, the One of the American commentators did say, uh, if this Eurovision thing doesn't work out, there's huge boy band potential. Just call me and I'll produce. And I would like to say that my calling in life is to be a boy band singer. So logo <laughs> commentator, why don't you call me? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be pals. I think we have a lot of things in common. Yikes. <laughs> You're not allowed to ask for any more friendships in this podcast. (laughs) Everyone is my friend now. (laughs) Um, So next up was Norway. And they had this creepy light up mask thing that they wore. One of them Mm. wore. Um, It was kind of like a, like an EDM artist type situation that they were trying to pull off there. And then that's pretty much all I wrote down. Yeah, this was the one that I think did the best job of of utilizing graphics on the screen for viewers at home. So they kept doing these like really cool cuts to that would have been in like a regular music video. But they also had these graphics that were overlaid on the screen. So they weren't being projected onto the stage. It was definitely added Mm. just for the sake of the screen. And so one of them was, um, it looked like, you know, when you try to do like the Snapchat filters and your face gets all like geometric It looked like that. Um, It was a pink head in a profile. And so sometimes it would be on the right side of the screen and then they would cut to a different camera angle and then it would be on the left side of the screen. Um, And they also kept doing this thing that looked like, yeah, it looked like the TV had bad signal or something. Like the image was breaking with Mm. like these little purple things. So it was all like all, all cohesive and purple because that was like the color of the mask and stuff. 
But that was the one that, to me, looked the least like a live performance. Um, yeah. Even though it was a live performance. So that was super cool. Um, the next one was the UK. And I don't... It was some girl in a gold dress, right? That was her? Yep. And I didn't really have much to say. I think their their lyrics were a little heavy-handed, if I remember right. Yeah. But it was just... Yeah, the song was called Never Give Up On You. Kind of meh. Yeah. And that's that's all you need. She was standing behind or in front of this like mirror band shell and they did like these really cool graphics of like stars or something. But that was it. Yeah. It was, like, and then Cypress. You have a lot of feelings about I Cypress. I loved this performance. This was so great. So Cypress um did Gravity and it was this like really, really catchy song, but they were my favorite use of the stage graphics. They also looked like a mid-2000s Apple ad. Like, that was yeah. a thousand percent their aesthetic. Um, so it was the lead singer and then two guys. And they they started with an all-black stage that had, like, a white line down the middle. And he was walking on the white line like a tightrope. And then he would, like, you know, his choreography was, like, to dramatically turn a corner in, like, a dancey way. Clearly, I have no history with dance. <laughs> and then he would, like tap his toe on the stage and the next part of the line would come up. So he was yeah. making like this tightrope maze on the stage. And so that was like the recurring theme is they would like do a thing on this white line and then they would go do the rest of their performance and they would like come back into formation and be on like three tightropes or they would be in a row on one tightrope. It just looked cool. <laughs> they are also doing fetal singing. <laughs> they were doing what? The commentators said it was fetal singing. Oh, that's right. He, um, they did this unbelievable thing where he laid down on the stage and then the graphic under it made it look like he was falling, like, into a black hole. It was trippy as fuck. But, yeah, they referred to it as fetal singing because he was, like, in the fetal position. So next was Romania. Which, it with a song called Yodel It. And it was amazing. So the woman is, she's unbelievable, but she's classically trained in yodeling and opera, and she's working right now on her master's in fine art. Like you do. On those singing techniques, uh, which is just, like, fucking nuts. And so they did this, like, hip-hop slash yodeling song, <laughs> and it was, like, the craziest shit I've ever seen. At one point... She's, she says the lyrics, bring it on, but while yodeling. It's amazing. <laughs> it was so badass. It was great. It was great. They deserve um, to win. They really, like, this is, I said at the beginning, like, it's going to sound like we're making fun of them, but, like, seriously mad respect. It was an awesome performance because it was really fun and catchy but they had like, like confetti fireworks in the background they had cannons mm -hmm. they rolled out cannons at one point in my notes i just wrote in all caps she's got the range oh yeah so next was germany which the logo host described as a contagious border hopping modern hymn yep for modern, yeah, for modern Europe. I'm glad you wrote down that quote, too, because I was like, um, what? <laughs> that was a lot of words. It was a song called Perfect Life. And, and she basically could have been, like, pink. 
Yeah, she did look like pink. That's who she reminded me of. She didn't wear shoes, which I'm not into, like, in general, as performers go. (laughs) Yeah. And at one point prior to that, the hosts had a break where they were just, like, shooting the shit. And they were talking about how you you're allowed to be they were trying to make jokes about like barefoot performers and how like people have won eurovision barefoot before and i guess it's because of germany yeah it's a lot it was kind of like not noteworthy though yeah this one was pretty forgettable um ukraine they kind of did this like trying to be badass like heavy metal but pop situation they had this like head set piece that would like shoot lasers out of its eyes at you and stuff it wasn't my favorite the um so this year eurovision was hosted in ukraine because they won last year um and that's like a thing and at the end of this performance the american commentator says ukraine performing in their homeland and then in the verbal equivalent of all caps she goes i hope they don't get a big head Oh, hosts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next up was Belgium. And the only thing that I remember from this was that the host went through this, like, 20-minute conversation <laughs> of being like, is it pronounced Blanche or Blanche? <laughs> yeah. And so one of them goes, I'm going to go with with Blanche because it's Belgium and they speak French. And the other one goes, I'm going to go with Blanche for Deborah. It was, it was a lot. <laughs> they also, the thing I remembered <laughs> from this, and I called it for my team because what? <laughs> the, the lead singer, the woman, Blanche or Blanche, says that she can move her toe telepathically. <laughs> and so the hosts then had a very long exchange, like a 10 sentence exchange about the merits of that claim. <laughs> Yep. And whether or not you can truly move your toe telepathically. <laughs> and one of them goes, that's what you do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so that was great. Belgium and their song City Lights. <laughs> yep. Then there was Sweden, my homeland. Your people. My people. And they did pretty great. They had treadmills and they were... It was like that OK Go video, which everyone was talking about again. Yeah. Well, because it wasn't just, they weren't only channeling OK Go in the treadmills. They were channeling OK Go in everything. Like, they sounded like OK Go. They looked like OK Go. Yeah. This was also where I learned that ABBA got their start from Eurovision. And I don't think anything has ever made so much sense to me in my entire life. That's fair. They were kind of like in sync, too. Yeah. I wrote that, that the lead singer going. looked like Zac Efron. And I called Nick Lachey, so I think it's like a mixture. <laughs> I also, I could be wrong, but I thought that the main line of the chorus was, I can't go on when you're looking frickin' beautiful. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, that songwriting, though. <laughs> I can't go on. <laughs> That's another one that's been stuck in my head. It was a really good song. And I wrote that it was the best use of choreography. It was. It really was. I would like to see a combo show between Sweden and Moldova put together. Oh my god, that would be such a good tour. 
I wish they did a Eurovision tour every year, like the American Idols tour. <laughs> yeah, I would go, man. Oh. It's on my bucket list to go to Eurovision. I feel like it, yeah. It'll never happen. I just feel like, I don't know how much you miss now that we appreciate the camera work so much. It's true. I definitely think for some of these performances, like in particular, like the Norway performance, like it must be completely different when you're there and not getting like the music video effect. Yeah. So then the last two were Bulgaria, which was a 17 year old who did a good job and people really liked him, but I didn't have any notes on him. I don't know if you do. I just noted, um, and I didn't write down any specifics because I could not keep up to write down specifics, but I wrote that they were a really good use of camera cuts, um, so props to the producers. And then I wrote, what are those animated graphics around his body? And so if I remember correctly, these might have been added so you couldn't see them on the stage unless they are doing some kind of laser technology I don't know about. But he had, like, these white scribbly lines that would, like, show up around his body from time to time. Huh. It was super cool. And that's when I wrote, like, what's the difference for the audience viewing live? Yeah. And then the last one was France. The American commentator introed it as having more yodeling, but I and didn't they were hear wrong. any. They yeah. corrected themselves afterwards, just being like, I guess we were misinformed. <laughs> there was no yodeling. It could the have beauty of like, yodeling. The beauty of this production is that it was like the US commentators were just backburnered so hard yeah. and nobody was paying attention to anything they were doing, so they didn't have to like be particularly <laughs> professional. No. They weren't even at Eurovision. They were at a studio in, in California at the Logo headquarters, just watching yeah. Eurovision and talking yeah. about it. Yeah. This was, like, the most French performance. It was. Also, the graphics looked like SimCity. You're right. It was basically just, like, streets of Paris. Yep. And the Eiffel Tower was there, in case you were concerned. In case you forgot. I, other than than the Eiffel Tower being there, I remember nothing about France's performance. I don't remember the song at all. Oh, yeah, it was, it was something that you commented on the title. It was called Requiem, which I was like, really, France? But that's all we got. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, I think we were a little burned out because we'd watched 26 of these in a row. It's exhausting. Also, France had to follow everybody. Like, they were the last performance. And so, to their credit, it would have taken something, like, it would have had to have been better than Sweden or Moldova for that to really stand out as the last performance. So at that point, we entered into the next two hours of time killing, which included a sketch from a Ukrainian comedy group. That I did not understand. Yeah, I just wrote Ukrainian comedy is too high concept. (laughs) I think one of the American commentators said this, but I have a note at the beginning of the voting that says vote with your head, vote with your heart. And I was like, oh, I didn't know Frank Underwood was commentating this year. (laughs) So... They checked in with each of the 42 countries via, like, a a live stream, like, Skype session. And And as much as that was, like, a feat of internet to sync up all of these broadcasts, it was also a little painful. (laughs) A little bit. Well, even by, like, the third one, the hosts were like, and who are your 12 points? Like, each each of the people who was representing their country would come on and be like, you know, good morning, and, like, try to banter. And the hosts were like, and your 12 points. Yeah, they were done. 
They were wicked, wicked done. <laughs> Finland said uh, at one point before giving their points to Sweden, they said, we promise to win again within the next 100 years. Yeah. I was like, well, that's a goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so countries are not allowed to give themselves points. And it was interesting because uh, as each of the countries was giving points, like Portugal won by a landslide. They got everyone's points. But there were definitely some countries who were like voting for their buddies. Right. Like Finland voting for Sweden. Yeah. All the Scandinavian countries voted for Sweden. Greece voted for Cyprus. Oh, Malta voted for Italy. Stuff like that. Stuff like that. Yeah. A bunch of the like Eastern European bloc voted for Bulgaria. So it definitely, like, made me wonder, like, how much historical precedent and politics, like, really do play into this. There's definitely way more of that than they let on. Right. And then, so after all the countries vote, then the fan vote comes in and counts for the same, like, weight. Yeah, they're split 50-50. And then they bulk them all together by, like, total votes per artist, basically, per country. Yep. Um, to figure out who the winner is. So the top three, if I'm not mistaken, were Portugal, Bulgaria, and Moldova. Yes. And then Romania was in the top five. Yep. And then the kid from Portugal came up and gave this speech that I was, I was, it was a calculated risk on his part because he basically shit on all of the like big poppy performances. Um, Like I said this earlier, but he said the line, like, music is not about fireworks, it's about feelings. And so his whole thing was, like, like, music shouldn't be overproduced, it should just be, like, art. I feel like he and Father John Misty should have a time together. (laughs) Yeah. And then the hosts, who were from the Ukraine, were doing their outro, and they were talking about how great it was to host the event in Ukraine, and how much of an honor it was to win and blah, blah, blah. And one of them dropped the line. It was seemingly out of nowhere, but I might have just missed it. But he dropped the line, we are a tolerant, modern, and very open country. And, like, given uh, some of the the things happening in these are modern times in that corner of the world, I thought it was a really interesting sort of jab to throw out there. Yeah. It I'm was. not trying to pretend I know much about the culture of Ukraine, but it was it was an interesting thing to throw out there. So should we talk about our, our stellar teams that we built? Yeah, so uh, we've been dropping these hints through the entire game, and now you finally get her game show. Now you finally get some context. Kelsey and I play a game called Teams. It's not an original game. You've probably heard of it before. Probably, although I had never heard of it until our friend taught it to us, so... If you haven't heard of it, drink twice, but don't feel bad. Um, So basically, like, it's a game that you can play at any time out in the world, and you just call stuff for your team. Like, you have an imaginary team, and anything you see that you think is, like, funny or noteworthy or whatever, you just call. So so we were calling teams. How fun we have. We have so much fun. We were calling teams the whole time because Eurovision's a fantastic recruitment tool. It really is. Do you want to go first? Yeah, so my team is... Poland's dramatic violinist, Austria's sneaker decor, which was like (laughs) their little wings off of their sneakers, Mm -hmm. Um, the Moldova sexy sax guy is on my team, Uh, so is Hungary's man bun, Italy's gorilla, 
Every team needs a gorilla. Every team. Um, Azerbaijan's chalkboard. The green room bowls in general. The, the little, little pods, pods that they were sitting in. Um, Greece's backup dancers in the waiting pool. Norway's light up mask. And as a bonus, I added Croatia's judge dress, which I just couldn't figure out what was happening, but it had like a lot of flimsy pieces that were falling every which way. <laughs> that was like a dominant style this year. Yeah. It was like it ripped was. up dresses. It was. Um, so my team included uh, the host who was wearing the silver sequin jacket. And what did it for me, I called him almost immediately because when the three of them introduced themselves, he introduced himself as the disco ball. <laughs> like, how could you not love that? Yeah. So I had him, the singer from Israel, Poland's dress and Greece's dress were my team uniforms. They were both similar. So Poland's dress was the one that looked like Charmin and Greece's dress um, had like a sequin leotard under it. And then it had like these chiffon strips. Uh, that made the rest of the dress. Um, I had Austria's moon chair, Moldova's backup singer's costume change, (laughs) as well as Moldova's choreography and suits. So, like, I really just swept Moldova. (laughs) My sexy sax guy is now naked. (laughs) Um, I had Italy's backup dancers, Portugal's ponytail, (laughs) Azerbaijan's, I, sorry. And, uh, sorry, uh, their horse on the ladder, <laughs> Croatia's opening line to his song, Yep. Australia's background montage of the lead singer floating through space, the mirrored band shell from the UK performance, uh, Belgium's telepathic toe, <laughs> and everything that the Swedish delegation brought to the party, including their treadmills. <laughs> Oh, it's so great. I ended up recruiting a small army. You did. (laughs) So do you have any burning questions that we just don't have answers to that you want to throw out there for people to find answers to? Yeah, I mean, the the biggest things that I still don't feel like have been clarified for me is, um, like, what are we missing by missing out on the lyrics since songwriting is such a big component? And how much does theme actually matter, um, both in the creation of these performances and in the ultimate voting? I also really want to know what determines what flag you get in the audience and can you have more than one? Yeah. So if you have answers to any of these questions or have any other thoughts about Eurovision that you'd like to share with us, where can they find us? You can find us on the Twitter machine at HateWatchWithUs. Or you can feel free to send all of this information and other thoughts and feelings to our email, which is hatewatchwithus at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us on this Eurovision journey. Pencil us in for next year because this is now an annual holiday in Hate Watch Nation. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.